This is Lit and Lucid, your after-work de-stress smoke sesh podcast. I'm your host, Lit. And I'm your host, Lucid, and we're going to take you on a journey. A journey to discover the truth and find the balance. Every week, we get deep on those thought-provoking topics that ooze out of the cannabis universe. But we also keep it real by illuminating important issues and people in today's culture. So kick back. Consume your favorite cannabis products and get cozy in the the Lit and Lucid lifestyle. Welcome everybody to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We're switching things up a bit today. You guys, we have no guest. Bummer. Dang it. I know. But you guys, we have something even better. Today, our special guest is mental health. Jared and I are super passionate about the topic, and it's been coming up quite a bit in many of our podcast episodes. So we thought we'd take this opportunity to discuss the topic a little bit more in depth. We all know that the last 18 months have definitely been a struggle for many of us with COVID, but one positive that's come from this experience overall has been the acceptance and awareness of mental health issues. While this topic has become less taboo, there are still many facets to the topic that should be considered. Jared and I thought this would be a great opportunity to sit down and break down some of those topics for you and discuss a little bit more in this episode. So with that, what's up, Jared? What is up, Lit? We are, we're having fun. You know, this is something that, um, you know, we really sprinkle into a lot of our shows and we talk about quite often, but we thought we might just put together one episode where we kind of like aggregate it all into one and just talk about it and make, you know, mental health the star of the show. So that is what's happening today. We're going to talk about specifically just about, you know, probably some lesser known things that are talked about with mental health. We, we, we see mental health becoming much of a, you know, a mainstream thing and, you know, people are posting about it. People are talking about it. People are more aware of it. Um, but a lot of that to us who, you know, have a good understanding of mental health just seems um, like we're just scratching the surface and really it's just being popularized, but not being talked about more in depth. So we are here to kind of break down uh, some different things probably that you may have heard of and you may not have heard of, but just to kind of challenge the, the current status quo of mental health. With that, let's just get started, get Jared. It. You know, Jared has a pretty strong background in neuro, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> neuroscience and all things like that. So he has a really good background on that. I'm a yogi, so I like to meditate and try to work on my mental health that way. Uh, but let's just get started and dive into, you know, overall, like what is mental health and why does it matter? Yeah, I mean, um, talk about mental health. Why does it matter? You know, like the brain, man, the brain controls a lot of things. And, and, uh, you know, that's why, you know, your mindset's really important because, you know, if you have a bad mindset that can really change a lot of things. And I actually wrote this paper in college and it was about what's called like a Duchenne smile. And it's kind of funny how, when you smile, you can actually trigger the release of, of, you know, neurochemicals in your brain, like serotonin and dopamine that actually make you feel better. And so it's literally a clinically proven thing that if you smile more, your brain is literally going to be releasing, um, you know, positive chemicals to make you feel better as well. So that's just kind of like a, a general thing to, uh, to kind of talk about here, just why, you know, 
actions are really important to the brain and how it really affects a lot of downstream things. I think, you know, mental health also matters, you know, for your relationships, how you're showing up for yourself as well as how you show up for others, whether it's your spouse or your children or your coworkers. Mental health matters, right? If we're in a shitty mindset, it's really hard to kind of show up positively for others and make a positive effect on our own lives as well as others as well. Um, so that's important. It's also really helpful for like a work-life balance, right? When things are really chaotic, it's hard to, you know, really just focus and ground yourself. But if you have a, you know, strong mental health and you're clear and you're aware and you can, you know, use different techniques like meditation or maybe, you know, just counting your breath and slowing down and becoming more present, those are all helpful things to help you tackle those life's everyday stressors, as well as, you know, other things that we deal with every single day, like the news or technology and social media. Those are things that are blasting in your face all day, every day. And it's a lot of negativity and that has a big effect on our mental health. So if we have some techniques and some things in our toolbox that we can use, whether it is, you know, plant-based medicine that we are going to talk about, or some maybe some more traditional techniques like talk therapy or other things like meditation and going on nature walks, things like that. We just need to be more aware of these tools that we have to make sure we have really good mental health for ourselves. Yeah, totally. Because I think one thing is really for, for sure that, uh, you know, I think, you know, with technology, especially, and especially so, social media, it really just makes a lot of things public and then also puts a lot of pressure on all of us to to achieve and do all these things and be having like a crazy life that we live or to be sharing our life with others. And then when we're, those things aren't happening, when we're, you know, AKA like normal people, um, you know, we get down on ourselves. We feel like we're not achieving. We get depressed, we get anxious, we get stressed. And I think that's just something that, you know, is technology. And it's all something that the more you're aware of it, the more you can break free from it and live a life where you're not feeling like you have to be pressured into doing things or, or feeling like you're not doing enough. Because I guarantee, you know, if you're just, you know, getting through your life, you're doing just enough to get by. And that's great. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but the other kind of part of this too, that Lucy just touched on is that, you know, therapy and, and mental health, there's certainly some old school traditions that are still, you know, prevalent in society, like talk therapy or going the route of pharmaceutical drugs. And those certainly have their benefits and certainly have their place in the mental health conversation. But we're also becoming aware of these other types of, you know, therapies and, and substances and, and kind of plant medicines and stuff that also provide a, a tremendous amount of relief. And, and that's kind of what we're going to touch on today is two of the probably most emerging, um, you know, substances that are being used to, to treat, uh, you know, chronic and acute mental health, which is cannabis and mushrooms and um, you kind of knowing when to use both of those is important. And, you know, probably just understanding the basics of what is chronic and acute mental health and, you know, acute being things such as, uh, you know, things that come and go like anxiety and stress. And sometimes, you know, some mild forms of depression versus, you know, a chronic issue could be, you know, chronic depression or uh, other things like bipolar or schizophrenia or, you know, OCD, these things that, you know, persist longer. And, and really, you know, just understanding mental health, you have to understand the basics of that because then that really dictates how you should approach something. You don't want to approach something uh, that's chronic with, uh, you know, a treatment that's used more for acute things like anxiety and, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't think that there's a lot of conversation around that in the world today. I mean, everybody, you know, is just putting a blanket mental health, quote unquote, over, you know, whatever maybe is underlying for them. But there's no real deep talk about, you know, maybe what really is that? Is it anxiety? Is it depression? Maybe you're just experiencing a heartache this week or month. You know what I mean? So just being aware of where you actually are is the best place to start. That way, when we do dive into these plant-based medicines, you understand who you are, where you're at and what would be most effective for you. I like that. Yeah. And, and one of the other things too, that I usually preach and that this is what I learned in my studies with, uh, you know, neuroscience and neuropharmacology was the, uh, the hardest thing to deal with when you're trying to treat any particular person or their, you know, their, um, what they got going on is really just understanding that everybody's minds are wired differently. And so just understanding that you got to understand that, you know, what may work for one person is probably not going to work for another just because, you know, our brains already, you know, adapt and they wire differently. And, you know, some of us may have like, you know, traumatic brain issues or, or different kind of uh, things that affect how our brains are wired. You know, uh, CTE is a very important thing for football and kind of coming to the surface now, we're talking about traumatic brain injuries. And um, anytime the brain's injured, it's always going to find a way to like self-preserve and keep, you know, firing. And so it will literally rewire itself. Um, differently. And uh, that's where a lot of these substances come in as they're inducing a, a form of you know, neuroplasticity that's allowing to uh, the brain to rewire itself and kind of go around these parts that may be damaged or ineffective or um, you know, just the layman's terms like depressed you know, that aren't really functioning correctly. So the brain has that capability, but it's, you know, it's like boosted, I guess, when you can you know, combine it with some substances that help to uh, you know, break apart the old structure and put a new one in place. That's interesting. Um, very interesting. So let's dive into it a little bit more. Let's start with, you know, cannabis, THC and CBD, you know, all the different cannabinoids. I think that there's no argument here that most of us believe that cannabis has medicinal benefits, right? You know, that's kind of how this whole movement got started with medical marijuana. But I think more so the conversation is, you know, we're not going to tell you, you know, all the good things cannabis does for you, because I think we're all pretty much aware of that. But the bigger issue here is, you know, we are in more of a recreational model. And the problem is, you know, high THC, high potency, you know, I mean, even some of these dabs and different things like that, the concentrates. And so the conversation is a little bit more like, okay, we understand what cannabis does for us and, you know, what its potential benefits are, but let's dive a little bit deeper. Like, why are we actually using the cannabis individually? Why are you using your cannabis and what specific benefits is it providing you versus nowadays, I think a lot of us kind of are just getting high. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, in a big way to, to kind of showcase this point is anytime, especially now today, as more states are are legalizing you know marijuana usage and, and decriminalizing it, it always follows one particular path, which is usually there's decriminalization, and then there's some form of medical you know framework established, and so it's always the medical portion that's always first, and it's always the medical that's pushed as like this is why we have to legalize cannabis because people are using it for medicinal purposes. But the bad thing that happens is in these legal markets when it gets built up is once we establish the medical, it goes to recreational. And we've seen it time and time again that everybody just kind of forgets the whole reason of why medical existed. And everybody either you know converts from a med patient to a rec patient or just the market really just stops you know, catering to the medical market and puts all their eggs in one basket in the recreational. And what we're left with now is like this high potency culture where everybody's just searching for the highest potency product. And we've completely forgot about 
the whole purpose of why marijuana was legalized in the first place or even why people have been using marijuana for thousands of years. It wasn't necessarily just as like a recreational drugs. I mean, 300 years ago, people weren't smoking weed and going to a Grizz concert like they were using it as, you know, a spiritual or therapeutic, uh, you know, substance to help them get to a, a you know, more enlightened state or to a better state of mind or, or feeling or helping with pain relief or these different things. So we've completely strayed from that, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, to get back to that, I think we're going to have to see more, you know, whole plant focus and focus on, you know, the, the whole benefits of the plant. That's terpenes, that's minor cannabinoids, that's other products that are geared towards, you know, mood specific or, um, you know, modality specific options versus just going to a, a bud tender or dispensary and saying, what's the highest, you know, testing weed you got today? And like, what's the cheapest weed you got today? Um, we've we've kind of really like set off on the wrong foot here. Yeah. And to, you know, piggyback off that, I feel like we're also, you know, I think a lot of people, they don't realize even what they're doing, you know, like, so you go to the dispensary and you ask for the highest potency and then maybe you get home and you take your dab or you smoke a joint and like, your heart rate is like heightened and now you're like super anxious and maybe you're like running around the house or something. And maybe you didn't even realize that it was the cannabis that might've given you those effects. Right. And I don't think that, I mean, I'm speaking for myself, but I think a lot of us aren't realizing that maybe it is the cannabis that might be causing some more of this angst in ourselves versus <clears throat> if I would have just got, you know, maybe a 12% THC and a little bit more CBD, how would I have felt differently versus I picked the 80% today and so like I'm ready to go, you know? And that's, I think, what Jared and I are starting to see and are wanting to come back to a little bit more of like an educated consumer asking these questions, having bud tenders not just push, you know, the highest potency because maybe they could handle 100 milligram edible and I can handle five. You know what I mean? Getting back to that. And I do. I think that there is products out there that are starting to sway that way a little bit more. We have a lot more micro dosing edibles on the market right now, which are really great, like 2.5 milligrams, five milligrams. That's a perfect sweet spot for me. Like I've always found 10 milligrams, you know, sends me off to another planet, right? But there's also people who can handle 100 milligrams chocolate bar, no problem. So I think the importance here is just understanding who you are and what your body needs, you know, to help the mind, body, spirit function op like perfectly. Yeah. And the other part of that, you know, like Lucy touched on is, you know, less is more. And uh, that's especially true because anytime you're looking at a compound like cannabis that has, you know, psychoactive compounds or, or medicinal parts to it. When we talk in terms of medicine, we're always talking about what's called a therapeutic dose. And cannabis absolutely has a therapeutic dose. And while that may range between, you know, person to person based on body weight and other contributing factors, there's totally a therapeutic dose to cannabis. And so this idea that somebody says, you know, I need a hundred or I can eat a thousand milligram edible and be just fine. Well, I don't think that's something we should necessarily be proud of. I think that somebody needs to recognize that you just have an extremely high tolerance to weed. And there's actually studies out there that have looked at medical patients and they've actually uh, tapered down their, their dosage of their current dose and say they're using, you know, 100 milligrams of, of oil or edibles a day. Uh, they've gave them a tolerance break and then reintroduced them back to cannabis and found that 10 milligrams is going to give them the same exact relief that they were, you know, assuming they were getting from 100 milligrams. And so um, that's just the idea that less is more, I think, is more beneficial uh, in the long run because you have to realize that, you know, more is not always better. What you're doing to your neurochemistry really is you're, 
you're honestly, you could be pruning your neurons, which is, that's why you need more is because you're just dampening your neurons. You're, you're making them prune, you're making them go away essentially. And then you have less receptor sites. So of course you need more uh, to keep, you know, potentiating the less receptor sites you have. And so, uh, you know, definitely practice less is more, practice tolerance breaks. And then I think once you do that, you're going to understand that, you know, you're more in tune with your body and your body is going to tell you what feels good and what doesn't feel good. And you're going to notice and be more conscious of uh, these different kind of experiences you have. And on top of that, I'll admit that you can probably save some money in the long run. You know, a hundred milligrams a day of edibles is fairly expensive in the recreational market or the medical market. And, you know, if you're just using what you need, uh, you know, what better can you ask for than that? Absolutely. We're going to dive into this specific topic a little bit more with Jared and myself later, but he hit the nail on the head for all of that. Uh, Let's also talk a little bit about CBD. CBD has a lot of therapeutic benefits. And I think, unfortunately, you know, it came out of the gate really strong, um, but it kind of fell flat with a lot of, you know, bad actors in the business, a lot of snake oil out there, a lot of people, you know, mixing things where you're not even getting CBD and you're just taking like, I don't know, alcohol or whatever. We had CBD mixed with like pillows, for (laughs) God's sake. CBD pillows. I mean, come on. Come on. (laughs) So case in point. And I, you know, have my notes here that in in all, you know, actuality, CBD might be one of the most beneficial compounds in cannabis. And uh, what happened with it in the last two years or or so is just that really pop culture got a hold of it and wrecked it like most things that pop culture does. It makes it a fad, you know, brings it to the surface rapidly. uh, And then a lot of people chase that fad and then they have no true understanding of the plant or the compound or what it's even purpose is. They're just you know, I can add CBD to this and it's, you know, marketable now. And so that's where we ended up with, you know, like CBD pillows and pillowcases and like eye masks with, you know, CBD cream in it and socks and shoes with CBD and underwear with CBD and bras with CBD (laughs) and like all these things where it's like, what is even going on here? And I think that what that has done now is it's, it's altered the public perception of CBD that it's worthless because people basically treated it that way. It's just some like marketable compound that you can just add into something as like a filler and then just use it to market it. And uh, in the meantime, we've completely forgot about any kind of like medicinal aspect of CBD and what it's, you know, you know, potential really could be. And, and I saw it firsthand, you know, when I was doing the research at the university, there was a lot of potential with CBD and especially combined in the whole plant nature with even THC and, um, I feel like at this point, again, like, you know, we discussed at the very beginning of this segment with cannabis that we've kind of got off on the wrong foot. And, and just in general with cannabis, I think it would really behoove the industry and the culture and, and the commercialization of it to, to get it back on track, especially as we're heading into federal legalization and about to bring, you know, the other half of the United States into, you know, the cannabis culture. I think we should continue to hammer down why cannabis, why it's important, and, you know, how we want this uh, plant to be, you know, looked at in, in popular culture and society. And that's always and will always be as a medicinal compound. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of our take on cannabis, you guys. So, like, you know, really, it's about yourself and understanding yourself more and really just being intentional and thoughtful with your own consumption habits and even just reflecting on them. You know, maybe one time just sit down before you go to the dispensary and write down, you know, five reasons as to why you are consuming cannabis and really just think about it. And it might be surprising to you, you know, um, we'll talk about this later. But I mean, I was smoking weed for every little thing. And 
I've thought about it and it's like, uh, maybe that's not the best thing to be doing, right? So all we're saying here is, you know, for your own mental health, being a little bit more aware and conscious of your consumption and really just see where this plant can take you. Yeah. And kind of with that, the next big thing really that's really being popularized right now is, you know, psilocybin mushrooms and, and, you know, psilocybin and, and mushrooms in general are very powerful compounds. And, you know, there's a lot of research being done right now. There's a lot of research in the works and really just the whole MO with them is that there's a ton of potential to treat, you know, some of these chronic issues and end of life and uh, even things such as, you know, substance abuse in its own, like alcohol and smoking cessation. And so there's a lot going on there and there's a lot of potential. Um, and that's kind of what is just percolating through, uh, you know, the culture and, and, you know, the news and social media right now is that there's a ton of potential there. And I think everybody's really got excitement and everybody's excited. I think a lot of, of people are becoming more open to trying these things. And a lot of people are already trying these things. You know, they're already legalized in places like where we're at in Denver. Uh, they're decriminalized in Denver. And so you can, you know, uh, I guess somewhat openly kind of consume these things. There's still no framework around uh, selling them. Um, in Oregon, I know they de decriminalize a lot of drugs, uh, including psilocybin mushrooms. And so it's very similar there. And they're trying to set up a framework. Uh, we just heard, you know, Canada has absolutely done the same thing and, and passed, you know, a clinical model for, um, you know, end of life, term life type of things. And so that's kind of what's out there right now. But, you know, the flip side to this is always is that it's always good to, to understand the flip side. And the flip side is that these substances are pretty powerful in their own and that, you know, they're great for chronic depression and end of life things. And there's even a ton of, you know, like we touched on neuroplasticity earlier, and, and they're very much a part of that conversation and helping to rewire the brain. And they're being looked at for things such as PTSD and helping to reprocess trauma and doing those things we touched on earlier of rewiring these neural connections to fix brains that may have been damaged. And so there's absolutely a ton of potential there. There's even the other, you know, the other piece of this is that they interact with your default mode network and they can turn off your ego. And, you know, we're just learning about the default mode network and how our, you know, our bodies communicate and interact. And there's a ton that still we're going to unpack there. And it's really going to change our understanding of mental health. Um, but like all things, you know, there's always a flip side. Uh, there's always a side that you have to be aware of. And that other side is that these may not be for everyone. Uh, like I said earlier, everybody's brain's different. So when you approach substances like this, you really have to understand, you know, who you are, what your body type is, uh, your neuro makeup, you know, what works for you and what doesn't. And then also understand, you know, the risk factors that are out there for people such as, you know, that might be you know, schizophrenic or have bipolar disorder. Uh, it's really important to keep these things in mind when you're approaching a substance as powerful as psilocybin. And with that, it's also important to kind of have the conversation around, you know, the clinical standpoint versus recreational. I think Jared and I have kind of come to the agreement that there's probably going to be recreational just because, you know, that's just kind of the world we're living in. And that's probably going to happen. They're already moving towards that in Oregon and some other states. Well, just think about, you know, in terms of what we're currently all living with, it's right now, it's a recreational model. You know, everybody, not, I can't say everybody, but there's a lot of individuals who have already had an experience with mushrooms and like that certainly wasn't prescribed from your doctor. And so I think we have to understand this, this debate between clinical and recreational, like we, like Lucy said, we're already living the recreational portion without it just being from, you know, a dispensary, so to speak. And I think the next step of this regardless, is going to be a clinical focus and, and you know, a, a focus around, you know, some of these, you know, bigger problems like the chronic issues that we mentioned. Um, and, and I think 
you know, ultimately where we're leading is that I think it's going to be a balance of the, the two, really. There's going to be the medicinal focus and probably the recreational side. And just because there's both sides, just like in cannabis, doesn't mean that we're consuming for any different purpose. I think everybody's still consuming for the same purpose, uh, whether, you know, they're conscious of it or not. And I think all we're doing right now is trying to make sure that everybody's conscious of, you know, the ultimate purpose is why they're consuming them is probably, uh, you know, for mental health related issues and whether that's anxiety, depression, or, you know, PTSD, um, it's just good to recognize and have intention anytime you're consuming a powerful substance. Yeah. And I think the clinical setting is a really great option for people with these more chronic issues that have very serious mental health conditions. So you are under the guise of, you know, a doctor or practitioner really helping you through the trip and the journey and whatever that might mean for you, as well as like follow up sessions to kind of sort through these types of things that have come up in those settings versus, you know, recreational where some people, you know, they have maybe been tripping, you know, since the 60s or something and they understand what, you know, psilocybin does to their mind. So I think it's a good thing to kind of have both of these options coming forward, especially in our market. Absolutely. And, and the other part of this, and we're going to touch on this at the very end, uh, is that some of these things are not really meant for daily or long-term usage. You know, when you understand mental health, I think everybody's goal is always to be substance-free and to have, you know, a functioning brain and body all on its own. And I still think everybody should always strive for that. And so, you know, when we have you know, say influencers and the influencer peer pressure of, you know, right now what's really hot and what's really popular is microdosing mushrooms. And what the flip side of we've talked about is that nobody's really talking about the negatives that come of that. Nobody's talking about that. These are still, in fact, a psychoactive substance. And, and so I think that, you know, we can't be peer pressured by influencers online that um, we have to keep in mind that they're going through their own mental health journey. And so it's really up to us, the individual, to have that intention, to understand the risk factors, to understand our own body, to understand where we're trying to go with this, and then ultimately understand that the goal is to be, you know, substance-free and functioning and having, you know, a happy mindset. And uh, it doesn't always have to include drugs, but the drugs in these, you know, compounds like psilocybin really are tools in our toolbox to help us, you know, break the mind apart so we can rewire these things and then uh, develop these really healthy and strong connections in our brain uh, that lead to positive outcomes. I agree. And, you know, I think kind of the world we're in right now with the social media and, you know, just everybody being online is we all just are kind of taking the popular opinion, right? And it's like, oh, my friends are doing it. That looks so cool. Or everybody's at a concert and that looks so fun or whatever. And I don't think that we're really taking the time to come back to our individual self. And I think that's all Jared and I are saying here with plant medicine and mental health is really just come back to your own self, you know, close your eyes, maybe take three deep breaths and just think about it. Why are you consuming? What do you consume for? Like, what are these reasons why you've chosen either cannabis or, you know, psilocybin or ketamine or whatever it might be for you specifically? What is the reason why you are choosing to do that? And if you have those reasons, you know, written out or you've reflected upon them in some sort of way and you've set your intention every time you consume, that's all good. You know, those are all great positive steps towards a good, healthy mental health. I agree. And, and, you know, and, and that's even true for Lucy and I, that our relationship with some of these plant medicines had changed. Like Lucy mentioned earlier, she smoked for quite a while of her life and, and would consume for various things. And the same with me, you know, when I got into cannabis, my ultimate goal was to help with my ADHD. And that was always my goal. And at times, you know, I've probably drifted off and got away from that goal of just this mindless consumption of cannabis, thinking that, you know, I'm reaching my goal. But in actuality, I wasn't. And so, 
we've recently, you know, taken a step back from that and incorporated some other tools into our practice to really, you know, strengthen our, our relationship with ourselves and our own body first and foremost, and to address these things that we're ultimately trying to address. And then we use now cannabis mindfully, or, you know, uh, mushrooms mindfully, or, you know, other things like, you know, don't be afraid to experiment with, you know, non-drug related experiences like sound baths or, uh, you know, go on a nature like a forest bath and yoga and meditation. And, you know, Lucy and I have been meditating a lot recently. And like all these things are just contributing factors that they're tools in your toolbox. And ultimately, you know, you just want a strong toolbox so that if one thing fails or, or you're looking for a specific mood or something, you know how to to create that. And I probably know how some of you are feeling right now because I had the same like visceral reaction. Like when I thought of the idea of like smoking less, it like pained me in my stomach. I'm like, no, like I'm a cannabis consumer. I smoke weed, you know, and I'm proud of that. And I think, you know, for many years, I, I've kind of hid behind cannabis. You know, I needed cannabis, you know, go for a drive or to go to the gym or to take a shower or to, you know, get done with taking a shower. And like everything was cannabis, you know, and Honestly, I am pleasantly surprised at the fact that now I can go three, four, maybe five days without consuming cannabis, and I'm okay. Like, I literally thought I was like a non-functioning human if I didn't smoke before X, Y, and Z. And I found out I'm fine. Like, I'm mentally okay. I'm clear. I'm thoughtful. I can kind of remember things a little bit better, honestly. I feel a little bit more with it. And I think I was just so scared of the idea. Like even when I see people posting like, oh, like I'm taking a break or, you know, you need to like do a reset. I'm like, no, no resets for me. Like I'm good to go. But honestly, like take it with a grain of salt. Totally. That's fine. But, you know, maybe just sit with it and think about it a little bit and just see where you're at with your relationship with your plant medicine and see maybe if you can make a few adjustments. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, really our purpose here was just keeping it real and like, Everything we said here is just keeping it real. I think that we do need to kind of reevaluate where we're at. And it's always good. I mean, that's like part of any process is just continually reevaluating where you're at and where you're going and where you came from. And that's all we're doing here is making sure that cannabis and, and these plant medicines are kept on the right track of being a medicinal compound that we can utilize to improve our mental health. And ultimately, we want you all to be successful with your mental health and, and be in a great state of mind and, and approach life with purpose and intention. And, uh, you know, you can't do that um, when you just have a couple tools in your toolbox. So uh, definitely feel free to reach out to Lucy or I if you're wanting more information on some of these other tools and, and some of the ways we incorporate them and kind of uh, try to live our best life and, and kind of live our life with intention and purpose. Uh, you know, we're just keeping it real. So we'll keep it real with you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do a lot of different meditations. Jared and I just learned about sound baths and we started to play ourselves thanks to our good friends at Dynasty Electric. And like, we've been tuning into a sound bath, you guys, like every Friday now. And like, that was never something that we would do. So there's options out there, like go for a walk, like, you know, take a couple tokes on your walk. Like I am not saying don't do that, you know. Um, but yeah, hopefully, thank you guys for joining us and like listening through to this whole, you know, banter that we had about mental health. Uh, but we really do feel like it's important. And we're very passionate about it. And it's something that we think about every single morning when we wake up and when we go to bed and throughout our day. So if anything came, you know, sparked you during this conversation, let us know. Uh, we hope it'll, you know, spark your journey in your mindful cannabis or psilocybin consumption or whatever that might be for you. Totally. And, and, you know, tell a friend, talk to a friend about mental health, share what you learned today. Uh, you know, just have a conversation because really the conversations are what is really going to change the world and bring us all together. So have that conversation and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. Mm -hmm.
All right, you guys, with that, I'm lit. I'm lucid. And that's it. Laters.